And turn with me, if you will, in the epistle to the Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, starting in verse 7, Hebrews 13, verse 7, when Pastor Sean texted me last night about 8 p.m. and I got the news and I'm processing, okay, all right, what do I do? In the, in the bulletin, um, his text for this morning was Hebrews 13, verses 7 and 8. And I thought, well, that must be what the Lord has for us to hear today. Um, any other similarity to what he was planning to preach would be entirely providential. So, in fact, I really don't even know. Um, but Lord willing, we'll hear that sermon one day. And, uh, but today, we get to hear um, what I believe the Lord wants us to hear and consider uh, for us as a congregation. Jesus warned us. He exhorted us. He said, man does not live by bread alone, nor for the food that perishes, but he lives, he draws life. She lives, she draws life. Every one of God's people live by every word that proceed from the mouth of God. Every word, including this passage. So reading from Hebrews 13, verses 7 and 8. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Please join me in prayer. Our God and Father, Lord, with this short passage, Father, you can feed an army, Lord. Indeed, the army of your people we need to hear your word. So, Lord, send your spirit so that hearts would be open to hear the word, so that the, the seeds of the word would be planted deeply in our hearts. Father, you would connect the word to the very lives of each one in this room, including me, and you would do so to glorify your son, that the nations would worship him in spirit and truth, and you would receive the glory and honor and praise. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, think of, think of somebody that you are following or you have followed, um, and I mean that in a particular physical manner. I know social media, you know, you can follow a person, you can follow an organization, and, you know, you can have lots of followers, so to speak, but think of somebody that you've actually followed. It could be a teacher, could be a professor, um, could be uh, any sort of thing. Could be, and should be, a mother and a father, right? Could be a biological, uh, adoptive, foster, spiritual father and mother, somebody you followed. And just like the childhood game, follow the leader, Right? We have this, this sense as we're following, as we're looking for people to follow. You know, some people are much better leaders than others. Um, some people are much more worthy of being followed than others. But there, there is this pattern that's bound up in the very design of creation, this pattern that's bound up of following others. We, we know from... The Genesis chapter 2, the Lord creates 
Adam and Eve, he creates all things good, and yet he still says it is not good for the man to be alone. There is this sense of relationship that is necessary, and that sense of following another is that we are created as dependent beings, dependent upon the Lord God. So if we don't follow him, we will follow someone. And as much as uh, people want to be absolutely original and unique, just like everybody else, they're following somebody. Everybody is following somebody, ultimately. And it is the Lord God who says, follow me. Right. But we're, we're designed to have this sense of dependence. And we think about that uh, as we look in this letter of Hebrews, which we're going to we're going to overview, and then we're going to look specifically at these, these two verses that we read. But the writer of Hebrews calls Jesus the great shepherd of the sheep in Hebrews 13, verse 20. He calls Jesus the great shepherd of the sheep. And that should remind us, as we look back um, to Jesus' words himself in John chapter 10, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they know me, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. So Jesus' words, when he says, my sheep will hear my voice, I, I'm prompted to ask each of us as we sit here, how well do we listen to the words of Jesus? How well do we hear those words, and can we distinguish what is Jesus' words from those of a leader who may deviate slightly from Jesus' words? Can we, can we sense the difference between the two? Can we know, do we know Jesus' words well enough that if that leader is deviating from his words, we can say no? There needs to be a a rebuke, there needs to be a correction, there needs to be a course correction. Are, are we that familiar, that dependent on the words of Jesus? Do we really draw life from his words? We're going to think about that as we, we consider leaders and we consider how we, as the people of God, can worship our Lord, can hear his voice, and can follow him even more consistently with the blessing that we have of so many leaders that are around us and so much blessing that the Lord has poured out. So are we paying attention? Well, Hebrews, Hebrews is the, the first letter, the first epistle that you find in this group of letters in the New Testament from Hebrews to Jude that are called the general epistles. So they're, they're letters that are written not to a specific church, not to a specific geographic region, but they're, they're more universal. And interestingly enough, even the, the author of the letter to the Hebrews is, is debated. Not, he's not identified specifically, so we don't know who that is, although there's many interesting discussions on who the author is. And so you might think, well, how does this fit in the canon? How, does, how is this accepted? And what... What we do know, what we do know with absolute certainty, and the closer you look at this letter, the more you will see it stand out. What we do know 
is that Jesus Christ is proclaimed so clearly. His fulfillment of the offices of prophet, priest, and king are seen so clearly. And the Old Testament is connected so well to his fulfillment of these things that we see Jesus Christ. And that is what makes this letter so valuable and so vital to the canon. If we were just to begin reading in Hebrews chapter 1, just the first two verses, Hebrews 1, verse 1, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Now we know the prophets speak on behalf of God. So they are leaders of a sense. They're speaking on behalf of God. And there were true prophets and there were false prophets. They had to be tested according to did they declare what the Lord said and did it come to pass? So they were tested. But these are, these are leaders of old, the prophets. But then the writer says, but in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So the writer of Hebrews is speaking to Hebrew Christians, Jewish Christians that knew the Old Testament. They knew the word of God. They knew it clearly. And they needed encouragement to persevere in the midst of trial. And Hebrews shows us how Jesus fulfills the, the signs and the types of the Old Testament so that we, we see what was pointed to in the Old Testament is fulfilled perfectly in Christ and the Son of God. And that is what gives the encouragement. The key words in the letter to the Hebrews are, are greater than, more than, better than. You get this sense of comparison looking at what the Old showed us. The Old Testament showed us the word of God brought by angels. So chapters one and two of Hebrews, but, but Hebrews tells us Jesus is better than angels. He is the very word of God. He's not sim simply carrying the word of God. He is the very word of God. Chapter three points to Moses and shows how Christ has greater glory, better glory than Moses did. Chapter 4 tells us of the Sabbath rest that is promised and shows that it is Jesus himself that is our Sabbath rest. By faith in Christ, we have that Sabbath rest that was promised from of old. And then chapters 4 through 10 show that Christ is the one who is the, the greater priest, the, the one who has fulfilled the priesthood. He's, he's a better hope than the law. He's a guarantor of the better covenant. He is a better high priest. He is the one who has entered, indeed, the holy of holies. He's the one who has entered through the veil of his flesh, such a better holy of holies than what was the picture that was seen in the temple. So Christ is the better sacrifice. He is the one who has fulfilled all things. And, and this becomes important as we look back in Hebrews 13, verse 7, because what kind of leaders is the writer of Hebrews speaking of? What kind of leaders? So look in chapter 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, those who brought the word of God. See, the Hebrew Christians knew the word of God. 
But what was happening? There was a tendency, just the same tendency in you and I, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of adversity, in the midst of disappointment, there's a tendency to want to swerve off of the path. There's a tendency to want to turn. And see, the Hebrew Christians were turning back to the old things, the Old Testament signs, the Old Testament pictures, and they were turning away from Christ. Christ was the only one that could satisfy them. And so the writer of Hebrews is warning them. In fact, the warnings are so strong in this letter that some people take it to mean, oh, you know, it's so strong, it sounds like a person can lose their salvation, but that's not at all what it's saying. Because you can't lose something that you didn't earn yourself. It is by grace that you have been saved, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. You can't lose that gift because it is God that has won you to himself. But as we sang, the church is one foundation, there are false sons in the pale. There are those tares that will be weeded out. Those who might look like they are, but they're not. But see, those who, who know Christ and are dependent on his grace and mercy, they have nothing to lose. The Lord is only refining their faith and making it stronger. So in the midst of this temptation to turn back, to give up, the writer exhorts the hearers, his audience, and just as I am exhorting each one of us today, we are in a difficult time, New Life in Christ Church. We, we look at the balcony, and yes, it looks like good news, looks like happy days, but there, there were struggles to reach this point, and there are struggles ahead. There is difficulty. For every true church of God, there is trial, there is difficulty. And so the temptation is going to be to look away, to look at something else, rather than to look to Christ, which is where we must live. The writer of Hebrews says, we must pay much closer attention. Pay attention. Listen to the voice of the shepherd. Chapter 3 warns us not to harden our hearts. We can harden our hearts in the midst of disappointment. We can, we can a, a root of bitterness, right, it goes on to say, can start to develop this hardness of heart. So keep short accounts. Stay close to your Savior. Stay close to the people of God, encourage them as the day draws near. In chapter four, hold fast the confession, draw near right, to the throne of grace. So what does this have to do with leaders? Well, we must look through the leader to Christ. We, that, we don't ignore the leader. God provides faithful leaders, but, but the leaders will not be perfect they will disappoint us in one way or the other. We'll look more closely at that. But we want to learn to look through the leader to see Christ, right? We, we see this theme throughout Paul's letters. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. We need to be looking to Christ together. Only he is going to satisfy so that we not lose heart. Chapter 13 of the letter to the Hebrews is the last section of this letter. And we see three mentions of leaders. We see it in verse 7, which is where we read, remember your leaders. And then when we jump down to verse 17, 
obey your leaders. And then in verse 24, greet all your leaders and all the saints. So notice the same possessive pronoun, your leaders, your leaders, your leaders, that same possessive pronoun. You know, in in a day and age where we can just pick and choose our leaders wherever we want, we can follow this person, follow that person, get this information, get that information, there is something to be said for having just a local community of believers who know each other, who can trust each other, and can know their leaders. And that, that sense of organic leadership starts in the family, right? Think of how many fathers are in the room, right? Fathers... We need you to lead. We want to help you to lead, right? And if you say, well, I'm not married yet. I don't have a family. Well, you're leading somebody. You're leading somebody. You may be leading somebody on the job. You may be a big brother, a big sister. You may be serving in a ministry where you are serving as a leader. The the opportunities are all around. We need to see leaders who are following Christ so that we can follow faithfully after them. And we see the adjective also in verse 24, greet all your leaders and all the saints. So think about what Pastor Sean preached about. I think it was just last week when he spoke of the whole Christ. So not just Christ the head, not just a few parts of the body, but the whole Christ, the head, the body, every member. So greeting all your leaders, all the saints, what does that mean? Well, it means I don't get to pick and choose which leaders I want to follow. I choose the leaders that God has appointed for me to follow. I submit myself to them. I I may like certain leaders more than others. I may prefer certain leaders more than others. But we greet all of our leaders. We give them deference. We give them honor. We also... Provide constructive criticism. The Bible calls it a rebuke. We do it gently. We do it with respect. But there's ways to do that. Because no leader will be perfect. Some leaders will be disqualified, obviously. But there will be no perfect leaders. And if we get stuck on that point of this person's not perfect. Or this person hasn't done everything I want. So I... I'm going to cancel them, or I'm not going to follow them, or I'm not going to listen to them. We're, we're leaving ourselves vulnerable to a greater problem. See, the Bible shows us how to honor our leaders, to follow them, but also together to see how the Lord is working through the whole body. It's not just one person carrying the ball. So that the head, who is Jesus Christ of this body, he's the basis upon which Every member stands. Every member has right standing. He's the basis, the reason that any leader is even appointed. So look back in Hebrews chapter 12. We know that the temptation for the Hebrew Christians was was to shrink back, to turn away. Um, Hebrews 12 verse 12 shows the, the, the depth of the struggle that they were going through. After having just talked about discipline, that there's no discipline that's, that's pleasant for the moment, the writer says in verse 12 of chapter 12, Therefore, 
Lift up your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but be healed. Every, every member, the weakest member of the, the body of Christ is absolutely necess- necessary. We want to see the, that body strengthened and healed and have the vitality of Christ and the spirit of Christ flowing through it. Strive for peace with everyone, with everyone. Again, that, that universal, strive for peace with everyone and, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. We know from chapter 11, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Chapter 12 reminds us that without holiness, no one will see God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, but without holiness, it's impossible to see him. And you depend upon being connected to the vine, which is Christ, for your holiness and the body of Christ. This gives us a picture of ministry, right? Not as an individual endeavor, but as a team sport. It absolutely depends upon every member. And the temptation is to think of yourself as living in solitude. When things are not going well, when things are difficult, we tend to draw back, to pull away. But Jesus says, no, abide in me. And I in you is the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. And that is to abide in the whole Christ. All right, the life of a disciple is a team sport because faith only works itself out in relationship. All right, I could, I could think by living in solitude all by myself studying my bible in my room nobody else around i can think i'm really pretty holy and really pretty good but what happens like that plan falls apart when i meet first contact with the enemy or with a friend or with whoever another person and then i realize i'm not quite as holy as i thought i was i'm not quite as good as i thought i was but i need that interaction i need that that rubbing up against another person for me to realize how much more grace I need, how much more mercy I need, and how much more I need to cling to my Savior and Lord. So look, looking, looking back at Hebrews 13, 7, remember your leaders. Remember them. Consider the outcome of their faith, of, of their way of life, and imitate their faith. So remember your leaders. Consider the outcome of their way of life. Imitate their faith. So three, three verbs, three active verbs that give us something to do, something to consider as we look at leaders. This is, this, again, the same theme of following, follow me as I follow Christ. That is the, the call of every disciple as he's making disciples. But, but think about the trajectory of what, you know, think about the most influential person in your life. Could be a parent, could be a teacher. Think about the most influential person. 
And there was probably a time at the very beginning of that relationship when you were absolutely in awe of that person. Like every word that came out of that person's mouth, you were just taking notes and thinking like, how is this happening? Like it's manna from heaven just spilling out. And, and you're thinking, this person is just amazing. And then there is this critical moment when you're disappointed. Something that person says, does, or fails to say, or fails to do. And all of a sudden, reality sets in. And you're like, oh, this person's not quite as great as I thought they were. And, and the tendency could be to just immediately dismiss that person completely, right? The, cult, the culture says we, we cancel people like that if they've said something that is not consistent with what I think they should be saying. They get canceled. But Remember, faithful leaders are not perfect leaders. Yes, leaders need to be called to account. They need to be held to a higher standard. And some leaders will absolutely disqualify themselves and they need to be removed. But you will never find a perfect leader unless you're looking through the leader you're following to Christ, right? If you're looking to Christ as you look through that leader, you can compare. Are they walking with the Lord? Where are they deviating? But see, you're never taking your eyes off Christ. You never stop looking to him. So consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. How do we do that? Well, we can do it positively and we can do it negatively. We can also do it in their presence. We can also do it in their absence. So what, what do I mean by that? Well, positively, like I remember one leader that told me many years ago, and in reflecting on how Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. He issued this challenge, and it still rings in my ear. He said, will you arrange your life around the needs of others? Will you arrange your life around the needs of others? Not will you get your life in order and then go and do stuff with the extra time you have, but start with arranging your life around the needs of others. Now, granted, any, any good principle can be taken to the extreme, and some people need to be dialed back and be like, okay, you're arranging too much of your life around the needs of others and your family is suffering, so... Get, like, let's get it back in balance. But, but there's this principle that's absolutely necessary to think about. And positively, you can see, yeah, there's small changes I could make in order to serve here or to help this person or to do that. And, and there's plenty of opportunities uh, to do that. But then negatively, I think of, of, of a leader who would quote from Psalm 141, verse 5. And it begins, let the righteous strike me. And you think, well, why do, why do you want to be struck by the righteous? Well, because as a sinful person, I will need to be rebuked and corrected from time to time. That is a necessary thing. So David says, let the righteous strike me or smite me. It'll be a precious oil upon my head. And after all, what is the purpose of the word of God? It's to instruct us to rebuke us, to correct us, 
and to train us in, in, in righteousness so that the, the person of God will be complete, will be perfected. So that rebuke is necessary. And if it comes from a righteous person, all the better. But who's ready for that? On most days, we're not ready for that. But that is what the scriptures teach us. And that is what a, a good leader can both give and receive. And it's a precious oil. And that's the picture of the, the Spirit's comfort and cohesion, the, that necessity of life that we need in the body. But then, then think of a leader that's made a difference in your life and think of how they've taught you in their presence and then how they've taught you in their absence. And in, in their presence, so the very idea of discipline, uh, of, of, of discipling somebody, is you have a relationship between someone who knows something and someone who's needing to learn something. And then you have the environment that you're in and the place that you're, you're going. And, and there's a lot of teaching that can happen on the go. And that, that's a wonderful way for a leader to teach on the go. They not, not even making a special opportunity, but let's just work together. But how can a leader teach in one's absence? Well, I think, as I said, you know, the trajectory of your relationship with a leader, you know, you're in awe of this person, then there's a disappointment, right? Then there's hopefully a recorrection and a, and a recalibration. But then at some point, your relationship with that leader is going to end. That person's life will end. Geography will separate you. Something will, will create a, 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 a rift between the two. And, and it could be for entirely providential things that are, that are necessary. But that absence, losing that leader and their presence in your life, is actually a new opportunity for us to learn from that leader. And I, I reflect on, there was a memorial service that I attended years ago. And I think about um, this, the, the, the father that passed, um, passed entirely too young in life. He, was, he, was, he, he should have had many more years on earth. And so here's this family coming to grips with the loss of this father, and it just creates such a difficulty in the family at that time, and they're struggling to try to make sense of it. And one of the sons was reflecting on how he, he learned many things from his dad, but here he is without his dad, and he's trying to figure something out in the house. And it had something to do with getting the hot water heater running again. And here's a young dad, and he's, man, he just wants to have hot water for his family, so he's trying to figure out, uh, what, what do I do? And, and normally I would just pick up the phone and call my dad and he'd solve the problem. But my dad's not here. What do I do? And so in tears, he's just like, oh, what do I do? It's I just the, the struggle and the weight is weighing on him. And then he figured it out. And he figured it out and he got hot water and everybody was happy. But what he reflected on is, well, dad, you were still here. The things you taught me, the things that I learned from you, the things I observed in your presence, the things I lived with, they're, they're not part of who I am. I don't need you standing over me. I've already learned what you taught me. And that's, that's the real beauty. And then you see, okay, I haven't lost this person. I've gained them. I, they're actually a part of me. 
And that's, that's the beauty of living in the body of Christ, but that's the beauty of having a leader in your life that has made a difference. And so we, we remember these leaders. We consider the outcome of their lives. We, we meditate on these things and we apply them and we walk in them faithfully. Again, looking to Christ, looking through the leader to Christ and trusting him as he leads. These are... These are lessons that the Lord is teaching each of us and teaching New Life in Christ Church collectively. And there's more to come. But take heart, beloved. The Lord is at work. He is not leaving us. He is not forsaking us. Having considered our leaders, I just want to close. I I haven't spoken of verse 8 in chapter 13 yet. And so after having read, remember your leaders, consider the outcome of their life, imitate their faith, we see verse 8, and it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And at first glance, I have to tell you, I'm reading verse 7 to verse 8, and I'm thinking, how does verse 8 connect with verse 7? Is this just like... The writers just, hey, I'm running out of time. I got to tell you everything I'm thinking of and going through almost like a grocery list of stuff. Just make sure I don't forget this and forget. But remember, rather than stand as a judge over the word of God, we let the word of God stand above us and we let the word of God judge us. So all of the word of God is necessary. And so we... We ask ourselves as we read something that doesn't seem like it connects, Lord, give me wisdom to understand how does it connect? And one way, one way it absolutely connects, one way it absolutely benefits us is as we think about every single leader, even the most faithful leader that you've had, has failed in some way or another has disappointed in one way or the other. Hebrews chapter 11, if we read it, you would get example after example after example of the heroes of faith. So we remember our leaders. We consider the outcome of their life. But guess what? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And your leaders will have periods of strength and weakness and, and their, their successes and their failures will ebb and flow. And, and even you as a leader, as a mom, as a dad, as, as a leader at work or in school, in ministry, you'll have strong points and you'll have weak points. It'll ebb and flow. But take heart. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Our energy will, will flag at times. Our enthusiasm will will be curtailed by various things. We'll need to be refreshed in the Lord, but Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever, and that is our hope. And that's the one to whom we are ultimately looking to lead us on, to lead us on, O King, King Eternal. We're dependent upon Christ to lead. He is the good shepherd, but we need faithful leaders. Pray for your leaders and cultivate your leadership opportunities so that we see the whole body grow up. Let's pray. 
Our God and Father, Lord, we thank you for our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that he is the very image of you, O Lord. He is the perfect radiance of your glory, Father. And we thank you that he came down from heaven. He laid aside his privileges as the eternal Son of God so that he could take on a human nature, sinless and yet a human nature just like each one of us has. And Father, he did so so that he could suffer and be put to death and endure the wrath that each one of us deserves. Your righteous wrath that should have been poured out upon each one of us was poured out on your son. And he did so, so that we could become the righteousness of God. Our sins could be forgiven, and we could find joy in knowing you and making you known. So, Father, we thank you for our leaders. Thank you for how you have so richly provided New Life in Christ Church with faithful leaders and how, Lord, you will continue to do so. Father, help each of us to evaluate the areas of life in which we lead. And, Father, let's look to you and let's look to one another so that we might be strengthened. We might not lose heart. And we will give you the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.